great persecution. And he tells them that there is a living hope. Are y'all glad of that? Say amen. We learned last week we got to keep swimming. Amen. Keep swimming. And by the way, I got that before Dora. Say amen. Everybody said, you watched the movie. I have no idea about the movie. Amen. But we can keep swimming. Keep swimming. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't get throw in the towel. Keep on going. It's going to be worth it. One day we're going to see him. One day he's going to wipe all of our tears away. One day we're going to walk on streets of gold. One day we're going to be in glory. One day we're going to be reunited with our friends and our family that's already gone. Don't throw in the towel. It's going to be worth it. Amen goes right there. Now listen, uh, we are fixing to go into the, uh, you could say like a new year. Uh, for, for church, a new year is when everybody gets back from vacation. That's when summer's over, amen? And we're all going to get back to normal, get back to the routine, uh, get back to regular attendance at church. And, and here is what we need. We need you plugged in and we need you involved. It, it doesn't matter if you've been coming two months or ten years. It does not matter. If you haven't got plugged in yet, if you're not involved in the ministry, we desperately need you in ministry. One of the biggest misconceptions of a large church is that they've got plenty of help. Now, how many of y'all are already serving? Raise your hand. Already serving. Now, how many of y'all know the raise your hand? No, we need some help. We need some help. So listen, uh, we wear these jerseys a certain time. Uh, uh, one, once a month, we will wear these jerseys that says, Buy into the dream. We want you on the dream team. We want you a part of what's happening around here to fulfill the call of God in your life and the giftings you have. And, and if you haven't got plugged in yet, if you'll see anybody with one of these jerseys on, they will direct you to where you need to go and help you. Uh, you can stop at the 411 desk out in the foyer and sign up. And uh, also, we're going to be having 301 today. Foundations 301 class down in the rock at 3 o'clock, and they're going to be doing a gifts and passion survey. If you've never had a gifts and passion survey and you'd like to do that, come on down and you can take the gifts and passion survey to find out where you're gifted, uh, where you're passionate about, what God has got for you. And I guarantee you, when you get plugged in, it'll change your life. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen goes right there. I want to start reading uh, verse number 13 of chapter number 1. Uh, we covered verses 1 through 9 uh, last week, and we talked about hope. There is a reason to have hope. We're just pilgrims passing through. We have a promise from God that we have an inheritance, and He called them to hope. He said, don't lose hope. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how fiery the trial gets, don't lose hope. He was calling them to hope. Well, today... We're going to look at a different topic that may not seem like it would go with, with the, the, really the content of the letter, but it's critically important. He didn't call them to hope in this section. Now he's calling them to holiness. Mm. Boy, it gets quiet when you say that word, doesn't it? He's calling them to... Come on, everybody, in the balcony. He's calling them to... Holiness. Holiness. Well, that's a word that you don't hear a whole lot today. Holiness. Now, let's look. Let's look. Verse 13. 1 Peter 1, 13. If you're there, say amen. amen. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children. What kind of children? Obedient, obedient children. Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. The word conversation there means behavior. It means your activity. It means you how you act on a daily basis. He says, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. In other words, holiness does not end when you walk out the church building. And holiness does not begin when you walk in the church building. Holiness is a way of life in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. 
Now, if you want to really just, just make that in, in the words we understand in that verse, he's saying if you call yourself a Christian, you need to act like one. That's what that verse says. You need, to, you need to operate, you need to act in reverence and respect and fear of God. Then verse 18. Oh, this is precious. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but read this with me, verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Church, say amen. amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy, your goodness today. Thank you for the good crowd this morning. Thank you for those who are uh, traveling and, and, Lord, still on vacation. Protect them, watch over them, get them back home safe. And, God, I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in the service. Teach us, help us, encourage us. Lord, edify us today that we could be transformed into the image of your Son. And God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> A rather arrogant and pompous-looking deacon, unlike the one we have here, say amen. Uh, he was sitting outside of a church, and he was trying to impress the young men that were outside of the church and impress on them uh, who he was or who he thought he was. And, and he was trying to teach them something about the Christian life and holiness. And he looked at the young fellows there, and he said, Why do people call me a Christian? And after a little bit of silence, little Johnny spoke up and said, That's probably because they don't know you. Uh, yeah, amen. Little Johnny gets it, don't he? Amen. It's probably because they don't know you. What is that little fella saying? Your life is not backed up by your speech. Or your speech is not backed up by your life. Holiness. Holiness. I, I, was, I was reading about a study in, in the book uh, Unchristian. David Kinneman, the president of the Barner Group, he discussed some very, very disheartening research concerning failures in the Christian life. In the day, and especially in, in the walk of life of born-again Christians, in virtually every study that they conducted, he said, that which represented thousands of interviews every year, born-again Christians. And then he, then he prefaced it by saying this, not just people who claim to be religious. He said, born-again Christians who talked about people that had made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, that say that, that uh, uh, they have confessed their sin and accepted Christ as their Savior, much more than just people that claimed it. This is what they said. They failed to display much of an attitudinal or behavioral evidence of transformed lives. For instance, based on a study released in 2007, we found that most of the lifestyle activities of born-again Christians were statistically equivalent to those of non-born-again people. What was he saying? Christians acted the same way as sinners. Are y'all with me? Now watch. When asked to identify their activities over the last 30 days, born-again believers were just as likely to have visited a pornographic website, to take something that did not belong to them, to consult a medium or a psychic, to physically fight or abuse someone, to have consumed enough alcohol to be considered legally drunk, to have used an illegal non-prescription drug, to have said something to someone that was not true, to have gotten back at someone for something he or she did, to have some, said some mean things of, about somebody else behind somebody's back, uh, to gossip or talk about somebody. Exactly the same. Now you say, what, what is the deal? What's, what's the big deal, preacher? The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are saved. We are changed. We are the body of Christ. We're the children of God. We cannot be the same as the world. Holiness is important. Holiness is important. Now, I, I, bet, I bet you're thinking, what has this got to do? How is this going to help people that are going through persecution and suffering? Here's the thing that we got to understand. I, I was reading John MacArthur's uh, commentary, and this is what he said. He said, believers are constantly exposed to a world system energized by Satan and his demons. Can we all agree on that? 
Every time you go out the, out, out the, out the door, there is, there is Satan all around trying to tempt you, trying to, trying to persuade you, trying to lead you astray. I mean, it's everywhere you look. Men, with your eyes, it's, it's hard to keep your mind straight with junk that you see. You can't even go through the grocery store. You can't go through Dollar Drenner and get a, a Snicker bar and a Coke without seeing magazines right there in front of you that will cause your mind to stray. Everywhere we go, everywhere we go, Satan is doing everything he can. He's full of this culture. Now watch. Their effort, Satan and the demons, their effort is to discredit the church and destroy its credibility and integrity. One way these spirits work is by finding Christians whose lives are not consistent with the Word of God and then by parading them before unbelievers to show what a sham the church is. Christians must stand against the enemy and silence the critics by the power of holy lives. Did y'all get that? One of the greatest tools of the devil is to take so-called Christians and parade them in front of unbelievers and see the life that they're living so that they do not see anything but hypocrisy. Now, you say, where do you see all that? How about, how about the, lady, the lady that was, you know, uh, pitching such a fit about the same-sex marriage, the judge clerk in Kentucky, and then it come out, she's been married seven times. Multiple times. I don't know if that's the exact number, but it was several. Now you say, what's the deal? How, how, <laughs> do y'all see the hypocrisy? Now I'm not for that. I'm not for same-sex marriage. I'm not for the homosexual agenda. I'm not for anything that's wickedness or sin. But ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to have a testimony, we've got to be different. We cannot let Satan use the life that we live against the cause of Christ. Do you know what? One of the biggest problems that I have run into in witnessing and evangelizing and trying to see other people saved is it always comes back to this. Well, I know old so-and-so, and he goes to church, and, and he cusses worse than I do, or he drinks more than I do. Hey, if, that's, if that's what being saved is, I must already be that. No difference whatsoever. Well, what he is saying here, be ye holy, for I am holy. Holiness is required by God. No wonder the church has no power anymore. No wonder the church has no influence anymore. No wonder the church has no impact on the community anymore. It is not salt and light anymore because the church is just as much like the community as the community is the church. There is no difference. Holiness. Be ye holy. Now let's do this. I, I, don't, I don't want to be mean. And I don't want to, somebody said last week when I preached on hope, said, preacher, finally preached something that wasn't mean. <clears throat> I'm going to mess that up today, <laughs> amen. And I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I want to be, be real. I want to be practical. I want us to all get this. So let's, let's talk about holiness a minute. Can we do that? What is holiness? I mean, really, what is holiness? What does it mean to be holy? Number one, write this down. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Don't you see the meaning of holiness? Look in verse number 14. Verse number 14. He says this, As obedient children, say that with me, As, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust, that means desires, that means preferences, that means appetites. He says, don't act like you used to act. And it says, in your ignorance. That means before you had the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Before you had the knowledge of salvation. Before you had the knowledge of the gospel. Now here's the thing. Sinners are supposed to act like sinners. We can't jump up and down because lost people act the way lost people do. They're lost. They're in ignorance. Their minds have been blinded by the God of this world. They're supposed to act ignorant. But people who claim to know Christ, you have come out of that ignorance. You have stepped out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he says, don't act like you did before you knew better. Some people, some people equivalent holiness with, with uh, you got to wear a suit. Holiness means wearing a suit. Y'all ever seen Al Capone? 
That dude dressed sharp. Say amen. I ain't going to lie. He wore a suit every day of his life, but was a wicked man. Some people, some people associate uh, holiness with wearing a dress down to the floor and having no makeup and, and, and having hair down to your waist. And, and, and they've, they've associated holiness with the external. And, and, and what that has done is given self-righteous people a measuring stick. That you're not holy because you don't look like me. You're not holy because you're not dressed like me. See, on the outside surface, in self-righteous, fundamental churches that are legalistic, they can judge everybody else by what they look like on the outside. Well, I'm telling you, you can wear a $1,000 suit and be wicked as hell itself. You could wear a dress down to the floor, have no makeup on, and talk worse than anybody, and gossip, listen, be on the phone every single day. Don't bring that jive to me. Holiness is not about the outside. Listen, this is what he says. This is what he says. Gird up the loins of your, your mind. Now watch this. What is holiness? People say, well, you know, being holiness means you, you can't be fashionable. That you got to look weird. <laughs> you can be fashionable and modest. We don't have to walk around and look weird. We don't have to do it. I've, I've heard people say, you know, being holy, you can't fashion, being holy means you can't have fun. Really? I, I grew up with this, guys. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, if you're holy, you got to, you got to, and they got this list of do's and don'ts and regulations and all that, and God's sitting over there saying, What? Man, man has a crazy tendency of getting legalistic with everything. The Jewish people did it. We do it today. What is holiness? Listen, the base word where we get our word holy, this is, this is simply what it means. Different. Different. Say that with me. Different. Now, I want to read this. <clears throat> The root meaning of the word simply means different. A holy person is not an odd person, but a different person. His life has a quality about it that is different. His present lifestyle is not only different from the past way of life, but it is different from the lifestyles of the unbelievers around him. A Christian life of holiness appears strange to the lost. What, is it, what do they say? They, they think it's strange that you don't run around in the same riot and the same drinking and the same carrying on, 1 Peter 4, 4, as the others do. You're different. There's something different about you. Listen, it's not strange to believers. 1 Peter 2, 9, it says this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar People, say that with me, a, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. People think, oh, that word peculiar means weird or strange. That's not what that means. The definition of pe peculiar is belonging to a person and to him only. In other words, like a writer has a peculiar style of writing. In other words, his writing style, it belongs to him and to him only. And you know what God is saying? He's saying, I want you to belong to me and to me only. I want you to be different. I want you to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. That doesn't mean you go on a mountain and build a fence around you and isolate yourself. Isolation and separation is two different things. God is saying this in Jesus' prayer. He said, I want you to keep them from the world. I've got to leave them in the world so they can reach the world, so they can impact the world, but I want you to keep the world out of them. That's holiness. Different. Ladies and gentlemen, are you different? Are you different in your behavior? Are you different in your attitudes? Are you different in your speech? Are you different in your words? Or do you complain as much as the world? Do you criticize as much as the world? Do you judge as much as the world? Do you, are y'all with me? Or are you different? Do you know what? There should never be a time. There should never be a time 
that you have to make it known that you're a Christian. People should be able to look at you and see that you are, come on people, y'all quiet on me now. They see that you are different. Something different about them. There's something different about them. Well, when the tragedy takes place, they don't go through it the same as other people. They're different. I want to be different. I want Temple to be different. Listen, when everybody else is falling apart, I want you to be cool, calm, and collected. That's what that word sober means. It means a coolness. Uh, you have your faculties. You're all alert. Cool, calm, and collected. Somebody say amen. The meaning. Now, is this, is this complicated? Not a bit. Not a bit. Different. We need to dress different. We need to act different. We need to talk different. We need to be different. Say amen. Now, number two. I want you to write this down. <clears throat> I want you to see the mandate for holiness. Verse 15. Verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, what is the main reason we do what we do? Because it is written. Where do we get our instructions? The Word of God. Where do we get our guidelines? The Word of God. Because it is written. Why do you behave that way? It is written. Why do you think that way? It is written. Why do you believe in what you believe? It is written. It is written. Be ye holy, for I am holy. This is not a suggestion. Some people think the Ten Commandments are the Ten Suggestions. There's no, there's no discussion in this matter. He says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be right as snow. God will reason with you when you are an unbeliever. When it comes to your salvation, God will woo you by the Holy Spirit, and He will reason with you. But the moment that you become a child of God, the moment you become converted, the moment you become a Christian, He gives you a command. We are commanded to be different. We are commanded to be holy. We are commanded to be righteous. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Listen, the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, For God has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Watch this. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Come out from among them. Now, I need, I need ten guys to come up here real quick. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Yeah, seriously, ten. What you waiting on? Let's go. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Ten guys. Or more. It's all right. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hurry, 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 hurry. You're making me long-winded. Let's go. Come on, come on. Just bunch up over there. Don't spread out. Bunch up. Bunch up. Get over there. In a, yeah, you're a bunch by yourself. Come on. All right. Come on over here. All right, keep on over. Keep on coming. Keep on coming. How many we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. All right. All right, here's, here's what God is saying. He came to the nation of Israel. Peter is quoting the book of Leviticus, all right? He is quoting what God told the nation of Israel when he drew them out of Egypt and, and began a new nation with them. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, let me, let me read this. When God told Israel to be holy in Leviticus 11 and 19, he was instructing them to be distinct from the other nations by giving them specific regulations to govern their lives. Israel is God's chosen nation, and God has set them apart from all other people groups. They are His people, His special people, and consequently they were given standards that God wanted them to live by so the world would know they belong to Him. If that makes sense, say amen. 
When Peter repeats the Lord's words in 1 Peter 1.16, he is talking specifically to believers. As believers, we need to be set apart from the world under the Lord. We need to be living by God's standards, not the world's. God isn't calling us to be perfect, but to be distinct from the world. What does this mean? All right, this is Israel. Those are all the nations of the world. He calls Israel out here. He brings them to Mount Sinai. Now he gives them guidelines. He gives them regulations. He gives them restrictions. All of these things so that they would be separate. So that they would be a nation. It was their responsibility to reveal to all the other nations of the world that they are different. They are set apart. They are distinct. They are for God's use and God's use only. They belong to God. Now, Israel was supposed to be an ambassador and to be a representative to the nations of the world. They were supposed to reflect the light and the glory and the truth of God to all of the nations of the world. So they talk different and they dress different and they look different and they act different and they worship different. And what Peter is saying here, just like the nation of Israel, you are a called out assembly. God has gone into this world and He has called you out, out of darkness into His marvelous light. He's called you to be different. He's called you to be a witness. He's called you to represent Himself to a lost and dying world. And you can't do it if you look the same and act the same and talk the same. You have to be different. Now, now you got to take out of your head, you got to take out of your head some vain traditions. I'm telling you, my whole life, I heard so many things. People, evangelists would come in and say, holiness means this and holiness means this. And it always was the outer, the external. But do you know when, when Jesus got to talking about holiness, he talked about the heart. He said, yeah, you say don't, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, you look on a woman uh, and lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery already. What was he doing? He was aiming at the heart. That's why Peter is saying here, gird up the loins of your mind. Are y'all with me? Are y'all getting this? It's not the external. Some of y'all, some of y'all don't like me up here preaching with his jersey on instead of a suit. You have a wrong concept of holiness. Everywhere Jesus went, he was a common carpenter who hung out with common poor people who looked common. And there wasn't a person on this earth more holy than him. Oh, I've got to, I've got, you know, we've got to behave. We're going into the church building now. This is a building. You know, I, I think we've messed up people's minds by calling it the sanctuary. <laughs> like God is hovering in this building till you get here. Do you know what my Bible says? You are the temple of God. And I don't mean this. I respect the person. I was standing in the foyer one day. I was standing in the foyer one day, and a lady come up to the door, knocked on the door. I said, it's unlocked. It's unlocked. I go and open the door. I said, come on in. It was unlocked. He said, no, I can't come in there. I'm not dressed right. You're not naked? You got clothes? What are you doing? And I'm not, I'm telling you, she, she, she did not, she wasn't dressed like she was going clubbing. She looked modest. I mean, she just dressed like we all dress like we're going to Walmart, going to get shopping, whatever. Oh, no, I can't come in there with these pants on. You say, why do you get frustrated with that? Because she doesn't understand the truth. Do you realize God's out that door too? 
and some people say, well, you just don't understand, preacher. It's what we, I know what we've been taught is not right. That is why people can come in here and act one way and go out there and act another. Because they've been taught their whole life that this is God's house and this is where God is and God can't see them out there. You are the temple of God. Everywhere you go, He goes. If it's not good to wear in here, it ain't good to wear it out there. We are the temple of God. Everywhere we go, God goes with us. I, I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen people, I've, I've been around young people at young people events, and, and, and it said, what would Jesus do? You remember when that was real popular, wearing them braces? What would Jesus do? I said, you should have said, what would Jesus wear? Because I'm fairly confident that that wouldn't pass the mustard. Are y'all with me? No difference whatsoever. I'm thinking... I, me and my wife has been placing. I, I see a young lady come by, and I'm like, dear God, did their mother let her walk out the house like that? And then here come her mother. <laughs> Why are we taking little bitty kids and sexualizing them? I got to stay nice. Remember, we're nice today. Nice. We're different. Doesn't mean we're strange. Doesn't mean we're weird. Doesn't mean we can't enjoy things. We can't go out in this world and enjoy things. But we can keep the world out of here. Are y'all with me? Now, thanks, guys. Give them a hand. Didn't they bunch up good? Good job, guys. Good job. Now, how, how, do we, how, do we accomplish, how do we accomplish this holiness? Look back in verse 13. Look in, look in verse 13. When you get there, say amen. amen. Everybody, 13, when you get there, say amen again. Amen. Okay, all right. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. mind. See, it all starts there. Modesty doesn't start with, with the outside clothing. Modesty starts in the way you think. Modesty starts in your mindset. Holiness starts in the mind. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, say that with me, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see, when you see, when you see immodest people dressing or acting or talking or, I, I, I mean, you can't, you can't even go to the grocery store without hearing somebody curse like a sailor. And you're thinking, they're in the Navy, but they're not. They're in the PTA. <laughs> Say, did you hear the words coming out of that? Do you kiss your mama with that mouth? And it's a woman. If it's a man, you could deal with it. But it's a woman. I mean... No, I mean, we don't even teach respect anymore. I mean, even, even, there was a day that even sinners who did not even know Jesus would teach people to respect people in public. But see, all of that, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You see, when you see a, when you see an immodesty problem and a vulgarity problem, it's not a problem with the outside, it's a problem with the inside. And if we want our people to be holy, we got to start with their minds. We got to change the way they think. We got to transform their thinking. That's biblical, guys. Look what it says. The Bible says in Ephesians 4:22 that ye put off, say that with me, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed, say that with me, and be in the spirit of your Mind, Put on the new man, he says, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. But where does it begin? In the, in the mind. We need to be renewed in our mind. Romans 12, 1. 
I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. That word conform means to press into a mold. This world is doing everything they can to press us and to form us into their image. But the Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know the word transform. It's, it's the word metamorphio, which we get our word metamorphosis. Caterpillar. Y'all with me? Yeah. Oh, ugly caterpillar goes in a cocoon, and he changes from the inside out. He goes from an ugly caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. There is something on the inside that's taking place that affects the outside. And if you want people to be holy, you got to change the inside. Because if you change the inside, it'll change the outside. If you'll feed them the Word of God, son, metamorphio will take place. There'll be a transformation that takes place. And there'll be something that shows on the outside that you didn't even know was on the inside. But you know what most churches are doing? Especially most churches I grew up. Independent, fundamental, premillennial, patriotic. <clears throat> they tried to use the world's method. They tried to conform. They tried to apply pressure. And, and, and pressure people into... And, and the bad part was... The bad part was... They pressurized people to conform to the image of the leader. Not Jesus. What happens when that leader leaves? Or what happens when that leader falls? I don't want people to be like me. I know me. I got issues. I got problems. I got weaknesses. I got things that, you know, you sing the song, he's still working on me. I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be like him. We've got to transform our mind. Because, see, it starts in our mind. Every action that we ever take starts in our mind. You hear people say, oh, this adultery, it just happened. No, it didn't. It don't just happen. It was an accident, preacher. No, it wasn't. There's never been an accidental adultery. It's always premeditated. It starts here first. If we're going to be different, if we're going to be holy, we've got to change the way we think. We've got to fill our mind with God's Word. He said, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. I'm telling you, if you'll, you'll, you'll start reading your Bible, there is a sanctifying effect. I believe it's John 17, 17. I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's there where Jesus is, is asking his Father, he says, sanctify them. Sanctify just means clean up. Give them a bath, God. Clean them up. Sanctify them through thy truth. Watch this. Thy word is truth. We, we, just, need, we just need to take a bath every day. We need to read our Bible. It has a cleansing effect. It has a sanctifying effect. Listen, do you realize the closer you get to Him, the more this world will bother you? I'm telling you, the closer you get to God, the more sensitive you become to wickedness and darkness. Let me tell you what's wrong with most Christians. They're barely saved. What are you talking about barely saved? The Bible says, so as by fire. In other words, you're going to get in by the skin of your teeth. Well, what would happen if we'd start being holy? We'd make an effort to be like our Savior, to be conformed to the image of His Son. One of the greatest ways that you can glorify God is to become more like Him. But you can't become more like Him if you don't know Him. And the only way you're going to know Him is with the vehicle that we have, and that's His Word. Y'all with me? We've got to change our mind. Not make people. Not force people. You've got to look like me. You've got to dress like me. You've got to cut your hair like me. 
I mean, it was so silly when I was growing up. It was to the point that the way you combed your hair. Man, that's so... My dad will be the first to stand and testify of the foolishness that he was taught growing up in church. When I'm saying growing up, I'm talking about in the faith. Silly stuff. And all of it was ways you could measure. It was a self-righteous way to judge other people. You could say, look at me. If that is not the Pharisee in the temple saying, I'm lying, I'm not like that publican. No, it starts here. Modesty doesn't start with what you're looking at in the closet. Modesty starts with your prayer in the closet. Because if we truly want to be holy, we need to change our thinking. We need to come to Christ. Now, I want to to end with this, because I'm early. I got four minutes. Say amen. It's been pretty quiet this whole service. Because we we really have to think about this, don't we? Because our holiness affects our testimony. Our holiness affects our testimony. It affects how other people see Jesus in us. Now, I want everybody to hear me from the balcony on all the way across the balcony, all on the floor. I want everybody to hear me. I do not want somebody to go to hell because of my testimony. Well, how could that be? There are people sitting in this room right now that I witnessed to to 3 o'clock in the morning. And the devil had them bound because of somebody else's supposed testimony. So-and-so goes to church. And he cusses like a sailor and drinks like a fish. And because of his testimony, this man was in a dangerous place. Never let it be said that a child of God from temple, that their testimony is to cause somebody to turn away from Christ. And all God's people say it. Now here's what we need. We looked at the meaning of holiness. We looked at the the means of holiness. We looked at the mandate. God's commanded it. This is not a suggestion. Could we all agree on that? This is a command. Okay, lastly, I think we need some motivation. I think we need some motivation. Why should I do this? Why Why should I do all this? Well, Peter says this, verse 18. Verse 18. Y'all there? For as much as ye know, ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Now let me stop there. What he just said is you used to be a slave. You were not redeemed. If you were in need of redemption, that meant you were a prisoner of war or a slave. And as a sinner, you were both. You see, there were millions of slaves in the Roman Empire at this particular time. And there were, there were tons of slaves that had become Christians. And Peter would be addressing these. So they would understand the concept of being redeemed. They would understand the concept of standing on an auction block. They would understand the concept of being chained against their will and not being able to do anything about it and stand on a platform and wait while people were bidding on them, bidding to purchase them, and to go and be forced to do whatever that master said to do. But there would be some times that there would be people who would be willing to purchase them and pay the price so that they could go free or they could somehow gain the money to buy their freedom. And as a slave, they understood what Peter was talking about. 
And Peter was saying, you need to be holy because there was a day that you were a slave. There was a day when you couldn't help yourself. There was a day that you were in bondage. There was a day that you was in the pit. There was a day when you were lost and undone without God or His Son. There was a day you needed redemption. He reminds them of their past. He reminds them of who they were. Watch what it says. You were not redeemed by silver and gold. Verse 19. But with the... He didn't just say the blood. He said precious. Think about that word a minute. Brother Martin, that means very costly. It means very valuable. Of high value and of high cost. What does that mean? We we go around and say this, salvation is free. It is, but it's not cheap. What right does he have to tell me what to wear and tell me what to say and tell me how to live and and command his, his commandments on me? Because he bought you. You were redeemed by his precious blood. Listen, Jesus said this. Jesus said this. He's not, he's not asking you to obey him and forcing you. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Listen, do you love him? Do you know he gave us, he gave us the Lord's Supper to always remind us of what it costs so we could be free and he's saying look what I did what Peter is saying right here you need to be holy you need to be different you need to be set apart why? because it cost him a great deal to set you free you're not redeemed with corruptible things it wasn't money It wasn't gold. It wasn't silver. It was the precious blood of Christ. Our sin couldn't be washed away with gold. Our sin couldn't be washed away with silver. Our sin couldn't be washed away with good deeds. Our sin couldn't be washed away with good effort. Our sin could not be washed away with anything we could do. But it took the precious blood of Jesus Christ to set us free. We're obligated as obedient children. Obedient children. You know the cool thing about the Holy Spirit? You know what? I, I know what people are thinking right now. I know what th- I, I, and the reason I know it, I'm psychic. <laughs> Here's what you're thinking. All right. All right. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me of this. All right, give me my list. Because that's the way we think. That's the way we've been programmed in church. Okay, give me my rules. Give me my list to follow so I can be holy. There ain't no list. You say, well, well, how am I supposed to know what to do and what not to do? It's called the Holy Spirit. This is so good. I, I love it when people call me a preacher. I, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of wanting to know: Is it okay to do such and such? And I say, I don't know. Is it? You know why they do that? Because God's already told them no, but they want my approval. The same God that's in me is in you. There is no. 
listen, when I go to act ignorant, I don't have to ask, I wonder if this is ignorant. You know why? Because before I even do, the Lord knows my thoughts. And he said, uh-uh. You better not say that. You better not do that. You better turn that channel. Don't look at me like this, people. Don't act like the Holy Spirit's not in you. Because if he ain't, you better get him in you. That means you ain't saved. But if you're saved, he's in you. And all you got to do is stand in the closet, ladies, and say, Lord, what do you think? Men, we can be modest. Listen, when, when we're tempted in the world, when we're tempted in the world, we can't avoid it. It's out there. But we can, we can do something about what we contemplate on. An old wise preacher said it this way. It's not a sin for a bird to land on your head. It's a sin for you to allow them to make a nest. Now, there's going to be wicked people out in this world that dress provocatively. Period. I don't care. You can go to Walmart and, whoo! Hey, listen. You can't control that, but you can control your thinking and your eyes. So how do you do that? The Holy Spirit says, watch it, boy. He's my helper. So listen, this is what I want you to do as you stand. I want you to depend on the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't wait for a list of rules. You don't need a list of rules. You need the Holy Spirit to guide you. Say, so what will He do? He will guide you according to this Word. According to this Word. If your lifestyle is contrary to this book, it's wrong. I don't care what religious leader said it's okay. It's wrong. Let's be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say it. Father, help us in this area of holiness. Help us, Lord, to be different. Help us to be different in our, our behavior. Help us to be different in our attitudes. Lord, help us to be different in our walk. I pray your perfect will be done in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing a verse of invitation. If you need to be saved, I want you to Lord, come. Lord, you know my I want you to come right now. Say, preacher, I'm not saved. Well, come on. We'll help you with that. Holiness begins with salvation. You can't be good enough to get it.